Hey, everybody. Welcome to the HVAC Joy Lab podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Shirk. This podcast focuses on creating more and more conversations about what optimizes life for an HVAC technician. My goal is to produce the most helpful content available for techs, full stop. Today, you're going to hear from Josh Canfield, service manager at Landis Mechanical Group in Lenhartsville, Pennsylvania. Josh got started young and built a career in HVAC up to now as a service manager. You'll hear his story and his point of view for techs who want a career on the commercial side. All right, let's get started. Hey, everybody, it's back to HVAC Joy Lab, and I have with me today Josh Canfield uh, from Landis Mechanical Group in Pennsylvania. I may let you pronounce the name of your town, Lenhartsville. Is that right? It is Lenhartsville. Thanks, Steve. All right, Lenhartsville. All right. Well, welcome, Josh. Well, it's good to be with you, John. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here. So listen, let's get the let the audience and the listeners get to know you a little bit. Tell us about you. Tell us your, you know, tell us your current place where like where you're at, where you're working, about your family or whatever. And then let's hear about your origin story, too. Okay. so I'm working with uh, Landis Mechanical Group. I've been here about four years. Uh, I've been in the industry for, boy, what is it now? 18 years. Um, And uh so been working for them for four years, started as a technician. I'm currently the uh, service manager. So that was uh, pretty cool to be able to get the opportunity. They gave me a shot uh, to do something I hadn't done before. So that was uh, pretty good of them. And um, yeah, so I enjoyed doing nice. that. Uh, I have a wonderful wife who uh, supported me. And that's a big key in this industry. If you don't have that's a wife nice. that's going to, be somewhat independent and kind of willing to do some stuff a lot on her own. You're going to have a rough time. Yeah. Uh, but I, but my wife is super supportive as a, has always taken care of the home and really born the brunt of the kids stuff. So I wouldn't be where I am without her. That's for sure. Yeah. And uh, two beautiful kids. Uh, one of them is my daughter. She's going to be driving this year. So oh, wow. I've got a whole, whole new set of worries. <laughs> and the son is son who's 12 was just getting into everything that he's finally getting interested in you know he kind of knows he knows what he actually wants to do so it's pretty cool it's a it's a fun time it's a good time in life and uh, i'm enjoying that as far as hvac origin story well uh it's pretty fun uh i started i started uh doing this looking for a job <laughs> any job other than what I was doing. I was in warehouse work. <laughs> I was as bored as you could possibly get. 
they told me they're like, hey, in a year or two, you might be good enough to, you know, master this thing. And in about three to six months, I had mastered it and had exceeded the people who were around me. So I'm not saying I was smart. That's not what it's all about. It's just, I really wasn't interesting to me. I just, I yeah. standing, stand there watching packing machines was not on my list of things to do for the next 45 <laughs> years. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. I then started looking for any job went all over the place. There was a guy who had an ad in the paper. He said he would train the right person. I went into the interview. I grew up in a world where we did a lot of mechanical stuff. I had some electrical, very minor electrical training. So I knew how to wire switches and do stuff like that in your house. And that was about it. Yeah. But I at least knew how to use a meter. Sure. And he was like, did the interview and he said, well, he said, he seemed like a good guy. And he said, honestly, I'm really up against the wall. My guy is going to be going on training in two weeks to go out and be on the mission field for the next year. Oh. And it'll just be him at that point. He said, so if you want to come on board and we'll go. So, uh, no, I'm sorry. It was a month. It was going to be two weeks after I started because I gave two weeks notice. Yeah. So I get there, I spend two weeks with the guy who's actually, I'm replacing. Uh -huh. I know nothing, right? I have no EPA. I don't know anything at all about refrigeration or HVAC. They did everything. I mean, soup to nuts. If you can, if it's under the HVAC refrigeration umbrella, including some stuff in the cooking industry, we did it at the time. Wow. And, uh, and so I walked in and got training for two weeks with this guy. When was then told, okay, you got the truck and you got the phone to the owner. Now you can run service. So I started running service for the two weeks he was in training. And then there was a month where he and I kind of ran together separate on and off. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I was on my own. And that was uh, with a phone to the, the owner who was a really cool guy, smart guy, could walk you through just about anything really. Sure. But that was how I got started in HVAC. Um, wow. I always, I always tell people like, school hard knocks. It's HKU. That's how I. That was my <laughs> university. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have talked to lots and lots of people now, lots of technicians and service managers and some owners, and I have yet to meet the person who said, "Well, you know, as a little kid, I just thought I am going to be an air conditioning technician." You know, the other kids pretended to be cops and cowboys. And I just brought out my flute multimeter and I was just out there just checking, checking readings and, you know, doing my thing. I haven't, uh, met, the, I haven't met one yet. Not one. So. <laughs> it is funny how it doesn't how it works that way. I do think, though, that's partially because nobody ever tells you. Yeah. Yeah. Like nobody, well, and in my case. Doesn't. In my case, my grandfather was a technician. I used to ride around with him as a little kid in the 70s, carrying his water and stuff. He had this horrible yeah. Dodge green van that, you know, he had the magnet <laughs> sign on the side and all that. And my mother worked for Johnson Controls for 40 years. And it never dawned on me to get in the air conditioning business. And I mean, it didn't even didn't even come to mind until much later. Um, I went through a process where I, I, um, I started a church and that was yeah. kind of the first half of my life. And then when I left that line of work, um, basically, I, I uh, went and got a PhD in business and yeah. uh, started my consulting company. 
And then it sort of all kind of came together and I ended up writing a dissertation on technicians and now I'm back in the business, but it seems like no matter how you find your way to it, it was like, this was never plan a, but here we are. And, and it's not so bad actually. So, yeah. It's not a bad life. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's funny. Cause I went to school to be a pastor and ran out of money. And then that's how I ended up at the warehouse. Oh, sure. Yeah. So it was, well, that's, it was you know, that here's the funny, there's a funny corollary. I, I kept going and borrowed the money and then I got out to pay off the bill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, That's the hard part. There's, two sides to a coin. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so it's funny. Yeah. Well, what do you, but, what um, do you love about the air conditioning business? What, what, it, what is it about the business that for you personally is it's your best day. If you get to do this today. Variety and challenge. If I am looking at something new, and uh, you know i've been on it twice somebody else was on it twice whatever it is because <laughs> sometimes it's easier <laughs> yeah it's that trying to figure out that new thing the ability to never be at a point where you actually know everything about everything because they're adding new controls or they're adding new items to it or they're changing the way that it's designed yeah the base is still always the same you yeah. always have a foundation but yep. the opportunity to actually consistently do something new and interesting. If I'm digging my teeth into something that I haven't seen before, that's a good day. You know, that's interesting. I, because I do this and I've talked to so many technicians over, over time now, <clears throat> I kind of quickly put people into, into certain slots based on where my understanding of the life of a technician, you know, the life cycle of a, a career as a technician. And yep. you're in the sweet spot based on the answer you just gave me, which is you're past the point where, well, they, the, here's the five levels I see you guys go through. First level, they just got to get to where they can pay the rent. That's, that's level one. Just get, just pay the rent. I'm not scared. I'm going to lose my house. Right. Right. Level two. I'm now I feel stable, uh, probably somewhere with benefits. Um, you know, I feel like I'm not, I don't feel like I'm constantly going to get fired. I don't have that constant feeling, you know, like right. I feel like I'm stable. Then I feel like level three is the relationships are pretty good. I feel like I'm on a team. I got this affirmation. I got other people got my back. I got their back. There's, you know, there's that part of it. Then there's kind of a feeling of uh, status that comes with, uh, you know, people look to me as, as a leader. Um, I've kind of, in your case, you've gone to service manager. It's, there's kind of an acknowledgement of that next level. And then after that's done, it's just, the raw pleasure of doing what you do best every day and yeah. just the, and the, I hear you at level five, that's the, you know, and to spend the next 25, 30 years or more, just doing what you just described, learning the new equipment as it comes out. You know, I, I usually if somebody's name is mechanical group, I, you, you probably do a lot of commercial stuff. Is that true? Yep. Yeah, we do yeah. a lot of it. Yeah. So, so then you got the whole world of controls. You got the whole world of chillers. You got there's there's like an unlimited learning curve in all kinds of directions, depending on what you want to do. And so, yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways your path is kind of the kind of the model path, you know, for a guy to yeah. to get to. And it's where I always coach technicians that um, if 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 it's in you that you need to go be the owner of a company then go for it. But don't yep. hold that up as if that's the only way you can be happy in air conditioning. Um, right. You know what I'm saying? Like I yeah. see lots of guys who are, they're miserable. 
because they just feel like unless they're making a million dollars a year and everybody else is getting ham for Christmas, then yep. they're just they just can't be happy. And it's yep. unfortunate because that's a that's not ultimately about money. That's about feelings of status and and wanting to to get to where you feel good every day because you are good at what you do and kind of skipping the the prod, the grind that gets you there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's funny because there's people I know people who start their own business who who love it. And then I know a lot of other people who started their own business for the reasons that you're talking about, because they wanted to have the big dollars. And they wanted to have this and have that. And I was almost sucked into it in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. But I thankfully I have, uh, you know, a wife who's smarter than me. And <laughs> she she was like, uh, you already are a workaholic. Do you really want to latch into something like that? She's like, yeah. if you do that, you'll never see any of us. And she was right. I, I, you know, when you look yourself in the eye, you're like, ah, you know, if it's all on me all the time, I'm never gonna let go. Yeah. And and I, th- those are the guys it, like me that I actually saw who hated it. You know, it yep. just became this thing that sucked their life away. Yeah. And they were doing it for the same reason I was going to do it, which was, you know, I want to make, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, or like you said, a million or whatever. That's right. And yep. And it didn't work out, you know, but, but you find, you have to find that spot. Like you said, it's about finding what is it you want to do and, and where is that balance? Cause it's, it's, it's about people always want like work life balance. Like somehow the work, the job is supposed to hand that to you. Like somehow they're <laughs> going to tell you what balance is. Yeah. And I, 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 I've felt that way in the past. Like you said, there's that point where you're just trying to hopefully hang on to your job or you're trying to make, you're not to the point where you're making really hefty money, but you're making good money, but you still don't feel like you've made it. And you know, there it's a lot harder to find. You're still trying to figure out what your balance is. Right. And uh, I think, but, but, and it's harder because you feel like if you work more, you'll make more money and then that'll get you to the next level and stuff like that. Yeah. And, but the balance has to be found for yourself. There's going to be some people who are fine at 50, 55 hours a week because of how their lifestyle works. There's some people who are going to be fine at 65. Yeah. And there's going to be a whole nother set of guys who are like, you know, 40 or 42 is about the best I can do, you know, and that's, that's where yeah. it's at. And some people are going to be like, Hey, put me on a roof all day and let me work my tail off physically. And that's what they want to do. And there's other guys who are like, Hey, how about you hand me the computer and we'll go do controls. Yep. And, and everybody's going to have that different thing. It's about finding, finding what works for you. And then, and then readjusting for your entire existence. I mean, cause it's going to change, you know, yeah. what, what's right. work life balance today is not going to be work life balance in 10 years, you know? Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think in our lifetimes, well, you're younger than me, but for sure in your lifetime, what it means to be a technician, I mean, we're probably talking 20, 25 years out, but yeah. probably a majority of guys will be behind a computer screen, almost like managing a robot, like a, a video game. Yeah. Who's, who, there's no, there's no safety issue with a robot because you just put in another robot if, you know, yep. something happens. And so the robots will be out there doing the stuff and getting controlled by someone who has the knowledge behind the scenes. I mean, it's, there's no end to it. It just is going to keep changing. Yeah. And I think, I actually think AI is going to be, in some ways, AI is going to be a little bit of a savior to the industry because oh, the industry yeah. doesn't have enough. We don't have we don't have enough bodies. Yeah. I was playing around with Chat GPT the other day just to to finagle with it, 
-hmm. And uh, I punched in a few queries, you know, for that a young tech might, you know, stumble over a little bit. Uh And uh, if you're not looking for like specific compressor data, but if you're looking for like, hey, I got low airflow and here's my superheat subcooling, chat GPT will spit out better numbers than some technicians. Really? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It'll sit there and tell you. Look here, 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 and here. It gives you like four or five options. It's like calling up your uh, uh, experienced tech. And wow. and it doesn't know. And, and, you know, after poking it a little more, I realized it doesn't even hardly know anything about HVAC. You know, it hasn't been, there isn't 40,000. HVAC technicians don't have time to sit there for eight hours a day and punch queries. Right. So it hasn't been trained yet. Right. And I sat there looking at that. And I'm like, man, if you gave something like this, access to a BAS system that had supply and return air temperatures and was taking superheat and subcool readings and stuff like that. And you told it what to look for. Yeah. You'd just, you'd just be sitting there. It would be telling you, Hey, right. go over here, look at this. Yeah. And you, and that's all you really have to do. Um, <laughs> you can order parts for you and you just show up. Yeah. We do have to, it'll always be a position for people who, who know, but it, it'll be that yeah. higher level skill and it'll, in some ways it'll help people like make the jump if they really want to, because they'll be able to pay attention to what they're seeing yeah. and really move in to some other, some of those other aspects. So, yeah. And we need people, you know, and I, yeah. I hope that a ton more people enter the industry, but it's what, uh, 25% of the industry is going to retire in the next, uh, five to seven years. Yeah. And we're, and we're adding, I think, what is it? 30,000 jobs a year Yeah. on average. This is, this is why I'm, I'm, I've pivoted my entire consulting practice toward recruiting because yeah. the, I, I think it's become, it's going to become, it's going to become a much harder issue before AI catches up to it. And I think Without that, yeah. And I think that smaller companies are really at risk of just just withering away because they just can't man the work. They could sell the work. They could go get it, but yep. they just can't get the bodies in, in place to go do the work. And it it's a real thing. Yeah. And it's shockingly incredible. So for us and the smaller companies that we are, uh, but not on the really small, we're not like three to four guys, you know, we got like, 15 guys mm-hmm. um, in one branch and 10 in the other and stuff like that. So we've got a few guys out there. It's a little easier for us because we can sort of pick and choose our work but as long as we have quality guys. Yeah. I've seen these really big companies start to have a real, a real hard time holding on to customers because they need to man 450 sites across two, like six counties. Yep. It takes a lot of bodies to do that. Yeah. And, and they start having trouble, you know, they've got to pick and choose. Yeah. You know, they got to, they got to decide. Well, the other thing that happens when companies get really big, um, the, the, the largest client I've ever had is about 200 technicians. So that's not small, but it's not like a multinational, you know, right. that kind of thing. But when you get, there's a certain threshold in size where the communication between sales and operations really doesn't work well. And sales goes and sells some kind of this commercial in particular. So some kind of performance contract that requires a technician at a certain wage and no technician with those skills works for that wage anymore. And so now they have, they don't know what to do. No one asked. And now they've got to go deliver on this contract they just signed and they don't know how to 
put somebody in it at that weight, and the, now the contract can't perform for them according to their numbers, and yep. you know it turns into an internal, you know, heck of putch. How do we get this contract done? And they don't have any answers. <laughs> Well, yeah yeah that could be really tough i could see that yeah uh, yeah and, and it's getting to the point where you know we're we're growing to the point now where we have to start putting some of those internal uh uh road markers i guess is what you call them yeah as far as that goes um yeah. and that's the the side of it that we've had to do so it, it really makes sure. um a big difference i yeah. i can't imagine being that big and having to constantly update everybody on everything all the time. And you oh, got, yeah. you know, 25, 30 sales guys running around. Yeah. And that's right. Half, half of them don't even show up at the office because they don't have to, you know, they, right. that's the idea. They're supposed to be out there uh, hitting the pavement. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing I'm noticing that's happening, and this was actually part of my dissertation that um, in fact, what I did with my dissertation, I demonstrated the model that when a technician is committed to a company, their commitment is composed of three elements. There's a desire to be there, the want to, right. and then there's a kind of loyalty, fair exchange. They've been good to me. I should be good to them kind of thing. You know, right. the wage seems fair. What I deliver seems fair, like that, that thing. And yep. then there's a feeling of it would cost me too much to leave for whatever reason, the right. benefits, you know, whatever. And then you can kind of predict if the dominant, component is desire you get lots of extra effort nobody's thinking about leaving right. you get that loyalty thing in the middle it's kind of in the middle yeah. you get the if the dominant thing is that it would cost me too much to leave you get minimum effort possible and you get lots of thoughts of leaving but they don't because it costs too much to leave right oh yeah exactly so, but what's happening right now in in literally just the raw the experience of doing work in the business in our industry is yep. that there's very little, if any, uh, cost me too much to leave. Because yeah. if I'm good enough to get hired now, I can get hired somewhere else in like 15 minutes. Yeah. And so like when we were 20 years ago, when, you know, you were just yeah. starting and I was right after Moses died is when I got started. But like, the, <laughs> you know, there, there used to be this feeling like, man, crap, I can't lose this job. I mean, if I lose my job, that's like, that's like a that's that's just short of like somebody died or yep. like that's a monumental event. But yep. for technicians today, it's like whatever. I just I can have. Do I want to just take a week off or do I want to go right back to work? Or what you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. You know, if it didn't if, it, if if I didn't lose my driver's license or I didn't lose my EPA license for some reason, and I can work, whatever. I I, I need to get started tomorrow. And so what it's done in effect is really raise the bar on people like you who have to lead these guys yeah. and you don't have that tool anymore of like, look, dude, you got to, if you can't get this done the way I'm telling you to do it, you can't be here anymore. And more and more yeah. my clients tell me, okay, <laughs> then where do you, where do you want, do you want my keys now? Like, what do you, what yeah. do you want to do? And it's completely changing. What do you have to do to lead a crew? Like the whole thing. I mean, are you seeing this? Oh, absolutely. That, it was a funny thing because I it, it's it's tough for me because I'm it's tough but it's good I'm the cusp guy right so I came in and it was just on a little bit of an upswing and then it died because I came in in 2005 and then 2008 2009 happened and you know see you later yeah. uh, we were all back to uh, hey better keep this one for about right. you know five or six years you know it's like yeah 
Uh, I don't yeah. think I want to just jump ship now. So I, I experienced that side of things where you didn't want to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. But I also, I also came in and was trained by guys with the mindset of, hey, uh, we all learn this on the fly. I'm not really sure what, you know, will help you a little bit if they think, if they see that you are interested. But outside of that, hey, it's yours, man. Uh, yeah. Grab it and go. And that's a huge change because when I came up through up until maybe eight, 10 years ago, there was the mindset of, okay, you come in and you learn and you're just going to figure it out. Uh, what did the one guy told me? He said, hey, if it's broke, hey, it was broke when you got there. How much worse can you make it? <laughs> so I was like, the, the actual the answer, actually, the actual answers could be a lot depending on what the issue is. But <laughs> yeah, if it's a big enough system, I could That's really right. make this a lot worse. Right. But, <laughs> and I, I came up in supermarkets, so I could take down the whole rack, and the rest of the store could go yeah. down. But okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> His point though was try something, right? Don't just right. sit there right. and and grab the phone every five minutes and 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 uh, expect you'd be spoon fed. Yeah. And, and there was that part of things, but there is the part of things where I would say probably eight to 10 years ago, it started where you started yeah. to be able to just wake up. And if you were ticked, you know, you could have four job offers by the end of the month yeah. and they would be probably as good or better than where you were at as far as money went. Now grass is greener sort of thing, but, uh, you could have all the money you want. You could have the money you wanted. You could have the, the vacation, your vacation time transferred. That was unheard of when I started. Like, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. You're going to get whatever vacation we say you're going to get. And that's it. Yep. yep. I kept the same vacation for years because, you know, you just transferred it. That was part of the package that you told them I got to have. Yep. And it was, it was a complete change. And now it's gotten to the point that was, you know, when it first started, it was the seven year tech guys, you know, seven, eight, 10 years. But now it's all the way to the point where if you've got two or three years, you can jump ship anytime you want. And yeah. and we've had a lot of internal discussions about how do you how do you motivate? You know, how do you how do you get people on board? How do you yeah. do these kind of things when you there is no stick. Like you can't there there's no using the stick, there's no carrot stick. Yeah. And Carrots only go so far. Eventually, everybody's full, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's good. They're sick of carrots, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you're handing them, they're just That's done right. with it. Yep. And, and so it's tough because now yeah. you, have to, you have to find people's why instead. It's not about what. It's not about where they're going. You you start realizing it's about the why and what do they need from me? Yep. And I, it's a lot. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Come in here. I have to, you know, the biggest surprise would be just how much investment there is in trying to keep people on the same page, you know, to have them just want to show up every day. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Yeah. This is why, I mean, we, maybe we should talk some more offline. I don't want to get all yep. salesy on a podcast here, but that's really what the core of what I do. Like those yep. five things I talked about earlier, those are both yep. a, you know, the short-term needs, the stability, the relationships, the status, and the do what I do best every day. That's both a recruiting machine as well as a retention machine. And then oh, yeah. the, the method is you just put everybody you've got in one of those categories based on where they're at, because when you get to it, they're progressive. In other words, 
if yeah. you're at level two, you don't jump to four. You got to go right. through each one. Right. And, right. and if you're, if you have people who this isn't true for anybody anymore, really, but if you're afraid constantly, you're going to get fired. There's yep. no relationship to form. Right. Right. Or if there's no relationships, the status doesn't mean anything. That's not yeah. how the status works. So it, it becomes a, a kind of mapping of these, you know, where are these techs at and how do I help them continue until they're where you are, which is right. all I really need is the opportunity to do what I do best every day. And then I just have to keep up, you know, with the wages. And then it's like, you know, that in terms of markets and what, what yeah. people are getting paid. And then it's like, okay, i got a good life. You know, there's still some good support stuff a company can do, like uh, programs that help people meet their own goals. Like, right. um, you know, they want to get out of personal debt. Okay, well, then how about we set you up? We'll, we'll you know, support you in that, and we'll give you, yep. you know, first dibs at overtime or whatever yep. it is you need to support that goal. And uh, I work for this company isn't air conditioning. They're actually, uh, they're, they're in a different industry, but they were struggling to keep guys at the very front end. And when yep. I started working with them, what we found was uh, there was a lot of interest in these guys that they hoped someday they could buy a house for their family. So we put that together is. a program that was a five-year to house program. And the company, it didn't cost them really anything. They, they just set up a payroll deduction, sat down with them, said, what's the size of house that you want? How much does that cost? What's the down payment? What's the deduction over five years? We'll help you with closing costs once you get there in five years. Well, now we got somebody for five years, right? Yep. And it didn't, it didn't require, you know, dancing and we didn't have to all go out for beers after work and, yep. you know, all of that other stuff, you know, it didn't require all that. It's just aligned with their individual goals in the context of moving through the company process. And I think that's where it's that's really cool. going. Yeah. That kind of thinking that kind of like, you know, I mean, the days of being like, look, I paid you what I'm going to pay you and we're done now. Those days are old. Like that's just all you're doing is training time. somebody to work for somebody else. That's it. That's all you're doing. Yep. You know. Yeah, and I think that's the funny part about this industry too. That when I, that's I think finally catching in people's mind is other industries have known it for a long time. Retention costs way less than uh, yep. Just the recycle cycle. You know, yep. the next guy, next man up, or just hire somebody else. Right. I think they've discovered that it takes a lot more effort, but also they've just realized it costs a ton. That guy yeah. has to ride with somebody. He has to be accompanied to sites and new sites and everything else. And there's basically three or four months of nothing. And then a little bit of, uh, it finally starts up again. Yeah. So we've finally seen a point to which where people are actually realizing, okay, maybe it's time to retain these guys, yeah. you know? is hey maybe three bucks an hour is the thing to do maybe it's you know our benefits package could use some work so we're going to hand him uh you know uh something a little more to you know cover his deductibles or do this or do that and it may be different on everybody's side you know it could be this guy wants more vacation you know that's that's right he's already he's reached plateau five right yeah and company policy is three weeks is max well He's on plateau five. He's just having a good time at work. But you know what? He's 40 years old. He's got three yeah. kids. Life's going well. And you know what? I'd like to go be able to take a two-week vacation with my wife. And I'd like to take a two-week vacation with my family. Or, you know, hey, 
I need two weeks for hunting season. That's <laughs> so right. I have a, yes. So I, have, so I have a week for the other two. <laughs> yeah, we have. I'm in South Louisiana, and yeah. we, there are two times a year that are like that are not in the normal holiday cycle. One is opening day for hunting season, and the other one is Mardi Gras. And it's yep. like, good luck. Like, forget it. You know, yeah. I have a client that was purchased by Equity out of Baltimore, and yep. but they're in New Orleans. And they're yeah. like, oh, we can't be open Monday and Tuesday this week. It's Mardi Gras. And they're like, what are you talking about? Go to work. What's your problem? You know? And then they had to close down because all the streets were shut down. Yep. And they couldn't even get to anything. They, they just, everybody just go home, you know? But, but it's, it's the awareness. It's the savvy that says, um, we're just going to engage with you on a, on, a, on a next level relationally, you know, understand what your personal goals are, even just help you set personal goals so that we can yeah. help you meet them. You know, there's plenty of guys, especially the younger guys. They're like living for Friday. They want a new fast car or truck with a big lift kit on it. And, but they're the future. So yeah. what do we do with this kid? You know, how do we keep him engaged until he really decides to be a grown up? and no offense. I'm not going to have listeners who are like, screw you, John, but I, I don't, I don't mean it that way. And, and you guys will hear me. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're, you're living the life. You're making decent money. You're, you got the truck you want to drive. You love your girlfriend, but there does come a time when you decide having kids or buying a house, this, this, yeah. this phase of life kicks in. And that's, that's the stable technician that every company wants, you know? Yeah. So it, it is what it is. You know, how do we, how do we hang on to this guy? Cause there's a bunch of good techs in that phase, but, oh, yeah. but they're very, uh, I'll just go work somewhere else. They're, they're very hard to retain until they get to a more stable place themselves. And I find the, yeah, a lot of those guys, they have all this potential a lot of times yeah. and they just don't have yet. I started early. So I started, I was married at 20 years old. Mm, and I did, we didn't have kids for a little while, but I was married really young. So you, you immediately now have this caretaker aspect that you're doing yep. and it heightens your level of awareness and responsibility and your drive to make two or three more steps in your career versus I'm just going to stay here and make what I'm making. Cause I can go out to eat with my girlfriend and I can buy the car and do the other stuff. It's not that that's a bad thing. It's just that all of a sudden now you're planning, okay, I need to get out of this debt. I need to buy this house and I need to do this and I'm going to have kids and I need to prepare for that. And then the two of us hopefully retire by the time we're 60 years old. You know, it becomes this huge self in, uh, a self-reinforcing cycle of, of drive, a background push that, that you have to grab into. Yeah. And a lot of these young guys don't have that and there's nothing wrong with that. But then you've got yeah. to, you got to be able to tell, get them engaged. And they're like, well, you should come up with training for me. I'm like, well, you know what you need better than I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what you struggle with when you're standing there in front of a unit, you know, I'm not standing there next to you. You know, yeah. I could, I can look over your calls and say, okay, there's a couple of things you could work on, but you have to actually want to go do it. I could spoon feed you anything, but if you don't latch onto it and go, it's not going to do any good. And I always told people, it doesn't matter. Like I've been good. I've been considered a very good tech for a very long time where I am and what I do. That's great. It's fine. I always told people, I said, look, if you want to be a really good tech, it's not about how smart you are. It's not about how much, you know, as far as technical savvy goes, it's about your persistence and your perseverance. Cause there's going to be a moment where you don't know what you're looking at. And are you going to stand there and figure it out? Or are you going to call in, throw in the towel and ride home? Cause it's three 30. 
Yep. You know, or it, two o'clock and no one knows. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No one knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's that persistence and perseverance that drive to stick it out and figure it out or just to take care of the customer. I'm here. That's yeah. my job. This is what I do. That, that perseverance to drive through, even when it's tough, that's what makes really good tech. Yeah. You know, that guy may not have the knowledge that this guy does, but if he stays there, everybody's going to love him. You know, yep. Yep. <laughs> if he's the guy who, who holds on and works through, uh, and and takes it out his boss is going to love him his customers are going to love him and the paycheck's going to reflect it so everybody else around is going to love him because it, it's going to work out and so i i tell people hey, look just just push through and have perseverance and you're gonna have a way better career yep. but like you said you do have to help them find their goals you know yeah. and it's and and they have to figure out what motivates them and sometimes it's sometimes it's you know more time that motivates people. I think that's the yeah. other part about our industry. Cause I came into it in the world where, Hey, it's 70, uh, 65 hours a week, 60, 65 hours. We got everybody works, man. That, you know, you got a 40 hour week. They're like, Oh good. You know, eight hours right. is a half day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what I came into. And I, you know, being a workaholic didn't matter to me, but nowadays that's not, that's not what people are signing up for. Yep. You know, there, there's a few people out there who are, you know, workaholics, but the majority won't, you the people used to get caught up in the culture of, of that yeah. now people are not getting caught up in that that culture they're like hey you know if you want to work 70 hours a week have at it but right. i want to work 40 to 48 you know they're not lazy they're like yeah. i work 40 to 48 but i don't want to be here 50 55 hours a week every week i want to go home i want to have a good time or i want to do this or want to do that and you have to learn how to work with different manpower requirements and, and work around people hundred percent. Yeah. And that's where one of the most common retention challenges companies have is how do you keep your most talented techs who want that 40 to 48 hour week, but they're the guy that, that whoever trusts. And so they're the ones constantly getting the calls in the evening, the weekend, because I can't send Earl because Earl's the one who started the problem in the first place. And I can't send Jimmy. So I know it's your daughter's birthday, but please like, <laughs> like that thing. Yeah. Those are guys, actually, those are a lot of the guys who go start their own company um, or yeah. just go out on their own as 1099 solo guys that yep. they just get worn out from being the guy. They feel like they get punished for uh, yeah. being the best guy in the, in the operation and they just wears them out. Yeah. And I think, I think that's where, where we've been at a lot. And it's been, it's been tough. The only thing that I've found, and that's not, I don't have the answers because I'm still sitting here trying sure. to figure everything out. As, but yeah. what has sort of started to work for us is to, to help introduce the, the younger, newer guys into areas that they can succeed. So we do a broad range of things. I'm not sending year three guy on a 800 horsepower steam boiler. Yeah. It's not going to happen. The, yeah. the site with that is getting the guy who's got 10 years and he's, he can walk in there and do it in his sleep. But you know, we have everybody in this industry has sites that, you know, it's a, it's five split systems. It's, you know, four right. small rooftops, right. uh, stuff like that. It's a set of water source heat pumps across a, a big building. And you can sort of send people in and see what they do. And then you realize, Hey, this guy's really good at tracking things out. You know, he's, he's a detail guy 
well, you give him some of the bigger sites to be involved in because you know he's going to pay attention to everything and he's going to know what's going on and he's going to know how it's happening. And that, uh, and he's going to report back to you. And then you find these other guys who, who are really good at, you know, doing maintenance and, you know, they're coming along and you give them, them that to do. And you give this other guy, these smaller sites and it, it alleviates what I find people tend to do is like, they just, and I had it when I came into this position where people would be like, well, just send so-and-so. And I used to be just so-and-so. Right. <laughs> I'm a workaholic, but that 4.30 phone call every day, five days a week. Eh, That's right. Not, not my deal. And I, I know from being the guy and being with all the other the guys, <laughs> yeah. they don't like that. You know, They don't want to have to be the guy for every single site. And right. so we would give, I would give people the opportunity to fail and I would, but I would also inform them. And this took me a while to learn that you had to tell people that, Hey, I, I know that you might possibly fail <laughs> or yeah. that this may not go well. Yeah. Cause the young guys want to succeed, but they're, they've never had the, most of them never had the opportunity to actually fall on their face. Mm-hmm. You know, my generation, Mm-hmm. fell down and get up kid yeah <laughs> you yeah. know there were there were winners there were losers I, I think i might be the last 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 uh group that got to win and lose you know and uh-huh. got to uh actually experience you know boy this sucks we went one in 13 in in little league and and everybody told us we stunk. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> there was nobody sitting there telling you, oh, well, it was a good effort, good effort. They're all like, no. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd done a good effort, you would have actually had a better that's record right. than one in 13. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, but now they, they, they aren't. There isn't that. There's not been that whole fall and fail. And there hasn't been that expectation that, hey, you're going to pick up and figure out how to do your own homework, kid. Sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not going to trail around behind you. And I'm not going to go yell at your teacher for letting you fail. Right. Um, and so what I found uh, from talking to other guys and talking to people and, and being in this position and failing at doing this <laughs> is, <laughs> is uh, I, you have to give them the permission to fail. Otherwise, the stress just overwhelms them, and they just they just right. aren't ready for it. Like, yep, yep, they have to be told. All right, here you go. You got an opportunity. Uh, I'm going to let you go over here. You have all day, and if you don't figure it out, we'll send somebody in with with you tomorrow. Now that's yeah. a huge investment in, in this world. I mean, like we're talking about low manpower, low this, low that. There's some days you can't do it, but you have to be willing to take the opportunity and invest. Otherwise, they don't become the next guy. And the yeah. other guys get tired. And it, then it gives these higher-end guys, it gives them the ability to transfer their pride because yeah. if they get the opportunity to come in and help this guy on something that he's been looking at for hours and hours, well, now they can come in and, and show him you know, what he needed to know. And then they're all in a better place. So, Well, and one of the things, too, when you get big enough, you guys are probably big enough to do this. You, This is just a strategy I've used where um, – if the guy that's getting sent out to oversee the, the rookie is hourly, then yep. when payroll comes in, you can book those hours he spent to training instead of against the job. And you can, yeah. it would still, I mean, it's still cost, but 
the job itself looks right when you look back at the job in terms yeah. of gross profit. And if you've got a training budget, you know, rather than, you know, sending guys to Wisconsin to go to chiller school or something, right. you know, you can, you can, those, those are training hours legit. And so yeah. it can balance out the job and it, it's, it's a little better from the controller and the owner perspective when they're like, well, that whole job is screwed now. Cause I had to send this guy out there. <laughs> right. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yep. Yep. You're totally and right. It, and it, if it, that one little tactic, it really helps a lot because you've got a training budget already. So book it against that training budget. And now the job is great. And you trained your guy and, and the yeah. guy knows when he goes out, it's okay to train him as opposed to step aside. I got it and just get yeah. it done himself. And the guy doesn't actually learn anything. You know? Yeah. That's it. That's a huge key. Cause that was the other thing I had to learn was to tell the, the, that exact statement to the guys who are going because otherwise yeah. they're like well he just did it <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah that's right oh, i tell I when i train supervisors i say all the time if you want to be a great supervisor you have to learn to manage your urgency because there's that almost torturous feeling when you're watching someone stumble through something and your customers in a hot room especially and it's like uh, like like I'm going to scratch my eyes out before this kid figures out what's going on and that, but it's still this 30 minutes of training that it's still the yeah. best path for that development of that person. But man, is it a challenge emotionally to, to like, like, um, try Go. that contactor, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You're like, they're like, yeah, did you take the temperatures? Yep. What's the superheat? I don't know. Go back and take him again. <laughs> I, I, I worked with a guy for six months uh, who was green. Uh, it was a great opportunity. Loved it. But yeah, it, it, it taught me a lot about how to train people. Because he and I rode together for six months. Okay. So it was, it was a real training program, which was really cool for the place that was doing it. Um, yep. It was a supermarket that had in-house people. And uh yeah, it was six months worth of doing it. And, it. and it really did, though, it taught me how to manage that urgency in that I was uh, learning how to let it go and realize, you know what, if this guy was here by himself, he wouldn't have any direction. Uh, so with me here, at least there's a backstop. We'll get to it if, if we're really up against it at the end. I've already yeah. figured out what i already know what's going on yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if the world ends and the manager comes up here and says hey we're going to lose product or something i can just hit you know hit the power button and we'll we'll make it through but yeah they, those the, all the guys that you can take that kind of time with always turn out to be the best because mm -hmm. they find because they also build relationships and that makes a huge huge difference level three that's it right yeah. there that's it gets them there. And it, even though it can feel silly, like, like one of my, the supervisor, at one of my client sites said, John, you're teaching us to do this, but it sounds like when I, it's like Easter Sunday and we have an Easter egg hunt and my yeah. kids, like I'm pulling back the grass, like it's right there. And like, yeah. Oh, look, and they pick it up and go, oh, look what I found. Like, yeah. okay, you know, but it, yeah. it, it's, it, it accumulates into not only a better tech, but that kind of relationship that binds them to the company. Um, and to, you know, to that supervisor. So, oh yeah, that's cool. I do have well, to go. Yeah. I was going to say, we're just about out of time. Do you have any yeah. famous last words you want to share for the techs who are listening? I would say, take a look at your life, pick your, 
pick what you really want. Look around and, and make sure you know what matters to you. Because if you don't know what matters to you, every day when you get up, you're going to be upset with somebody else yeah. for the fact that you haven't figured out what makes you happy. You haven't figured out why you're going to work in the morning. And why you're going to work in the morning is never going to be the paycheck. It's never going to be the paycheck. You either you're going to work in the morning for your kids, for your wife, for your family, because you like what you do, or because you have a, a goal in the future to have X, Y, and Z, or you just want to embedder yourself, whatever it is, that's the reason you're going to go to work in the morning. That's what's going to make you happy. Because if you wait around for people to pat you on the back and for everybody else to make you feel good and, and or for money to finally make you feel happy, you aren't going to get there. It's not going to happen. You need to have your goals in mind and know what you want. Wise words, my friend, wise words. Well, listen, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I uh, appreciate you giving up your time. And um, y'all, if you want to reach out to Josh, uh, he's at Landis Mechanical Group uh, in uh, Len Hartsville, Pennsylvania. Uh, if you're nearby and uh, you happen to be one of those guys who's trying to land somewhere, it sounds to me like Josh is a great service manager and um, can really uh, make a difference for guys coming in the door. So um, reach out to Josh and say hi and, and uh, get to know him. So this has been HVAC Joy Lab, and we will see you next time. A good life is had.